And welcome, everybody, to the ninth episode of This Week in IU Football. My name is Michael Dugan, and I am joined at first by Cameron Drummond. Cameron, I don't even know where to begin um, <laughs> because there were two losses that were graced upon Indiana this weekend. One yeah. was the game against Penn State, and the other was Michael Penix. Just when a lot of people thought the season couldn't really get worse, it did. Yeah, I mean, this this recent, was it three-game stretch now, if you really want to expand it to Big Ten play, four out of five games ending in a loss for IU. I mean, the Rutgers game was a victory, but again, that was about as somber a victory as you could have expected from that game. So really, just like the five weeks, the last five weeks in general have been, I mean, so little good news for fans of Hoosier football, and then... I don't want to say that we all thought it was a torn ACL when Michael Penix Jr. got hit in the third quarter. And also, just the fact that he even tore his ACL is interesting because, like, the guy got ta- uh, from Penn State got called for targeting on the play. I mean, there was a guy went low and a guy went high. So when you hear that targeting call happen on Michael Penix, your first reaction isn't, oh, he tore his ACL or, oh, he has a knee injury or something like that. So that was just another you know, interesting, weird IU football-related aspect. But when I saw him go down and kind of immediately grabbed for his knee, I mean, you always default to a torn ACL as the worst-case scenario. And unfortunately for him and unfortunately for the Hoosiers, that's what it turned out to be. It, it seems like that for IU football, though, right? Like, it couldn't have just been a sprain, and it couldn't have just been, like, a hyper-extended knee. No, of course it was, you know, the full tear. Of course, yeah. And I, I don't want to ask the cliche, what does this mean for the program type of question, because everyone with two eyes and a brain knows what it means. It means he's going to come back on a bad knee next year, and who knows what his future is going to be. He will get all four years, though, because he doesn't have to apply for a medical redshirt because he only played three games in this 2018 season. And, of course, with the new NCAA rule, all freshmen are allowed four games to still preserve the redshirt. So if nothing else, Michael Penix Jr. will be around at least eligible for four more seasons of football in Bloomington. But like you mentioned, coming back from a torn ACL, the first really significant knee injury or leg injury of his career, you have to wonder how that's going to work out with the rehab and recovery process. Not to mention that however much Indiana was going to play him for the rest of this season, you do lose some kind of game experience and some game readiness and stuff like that just because of the fact that he can't get the reps in practice or the reps in the game. Let's play hypothetical here. I love playing doctor. Indiana's Indiana's game is against, excuse me, Indiana's backs are against the wall right now with this mm-hmm. game against Minnesota. That's what I was trying to say. Words got all jumbled in my head there. <laughs> it kind of came out randomly. But Indiana's backs are against the wall again, with this game against Minnesota and going forward. Mm-hmm. Now, as we've talked about in the last couple of shows, what they've done, I use my high school academic analogy, what they've done lately hasn't really worked. And I will give them that the game against Penn State Because it was a loss and it was an extremely familiar loss, I think a lot of people were quick to say, same old program, and they played terribly. I actually think they played okay. I think the way they performed was fine. Trace McSorley won that game single-handedly for Penn State, and that's a good Penn State team. I think the way Indiana played was fine, but not good enough to get a win, and that's what matters. We're not at the point with this program now where we can say, oh, yeah, playing fine is good enough. They need wins. Or like saying that, you know, not a repeat of the week before against Iowa was good enough. I mean, the fact that Indiana didn't get blown to smithereens by Penn State, while on one hand, yeah, it's a good thing, but, like, if that's your measuring stick for a good performance from a program, then that's probably, like, a lot more indicative of bigger problems with them. So if you want Indiana football to be taken seriously, just not getting blown up by Penn State isn't much of an accomplishment. No, it's not. And this is why I want to play hypothetical, because... What they have done the last five weeks is not working, and that would suggest that they need to change what they are doing. And having Peyton Ramsey exclusively as the quarterback has not gotten them any further than they've been in the past five years, four years as a program, right? Now, 
With Michael Penix out, that hurts them in more ways than one. It's it's potentially the quarterback of the future now having to come back from a terrible knee injury. It's their thin at quarterback now this year. And the quarterback position, I think, to a lot of people was holding them back because of the assets they have at wide receiver and their inability to run the ball. So now I ask you, to succeed, does Indiana need to have some trick plays up their sleeve with Reese Taylor at quarterback? Or not even trick plays, just throw him at quarterback so he can run the football. Does that need to happen if they're going to obtain bowl eligibility? I mean, you look at the schedule that's in front of them, four games left in the season, you need two wins. I mean, you can sneak into a bowl at five and seven, but Indiana needs two wins. The easiest two wins you're going to get, or at least on the schedule, would be this week at Minnesota, you get a bye week, then you're home against Maryland. You could really have bowl eligibility wrapped up going into Michigan and not have to either pull an upset of that game or sweat out what looks like a very dangerous-looking bucket game now with the way that the Purdue Boilermakers have recovered from their slow start. So you have the next three weeks at Minnesota, bye, and then home to Maryland. Even if they don't throw in some trick plays, even if they're kind of more reserved in their use of Reese Taylor because he's the backup now and maybe you don't want him taking any unnecessary hits on kick returns or on, you know, reverses or any kind of plays with him at defensive back and wide receiver, even if you stay very bland and vanilla, you should probably win those two games, right? I mean, it's one thing, you know, with a completely healthy complement of players, quarterbacks, receivers, everyone, but just looking at the past couple weeks for each team, Indiana is better than Minnesota and Maryland. If they were to lose either of those games, I would be surprised. They could very well lose both, but I don't think you necessarily have to be running these weird gadget plays or even using Reese Taylor more than you have in past weeks, maybe even use him a little bit less, because I think just on talent alone, Indiana should be able to win these next two games. They should. Now... Now we will play hypothetical. You are the columnist for the Indiana Daily Student. I am. So I'm going to ask you to look ahead about a month into the future, almost to the day. Whew. And if Indiana does not get creative, does not change the game plan offensively, and does what they continue or continues to do what they have done the entire season, and they get one or zero wins from this point forward, your column, your postseason column will be about what? What will the tone be of that if we see nothing change and the results are the exact same? It'll just be a wasted year. I mean, people kind of thought that, too. Not, I don't want to say people kind of thought that, but when Peyton Ramsey was named the starter, Michael Penix Jr. was the QB, too, right before the start of the season. I think late August is when Tom Allen announced it. People, there were kind of some rumors like, all right, if Penix is really this good, he'd be the starter or whatever. Maybe they're just kind of waiting out one more year of Ramsey to get Penix, you know, up to college speed, get him a couple reps in some four games or something like that to preserve his red shirt. Then he's the quarterback of the future. He's going to take this program to new heights. If Indiana doesn't even at least make a bowl game this year with the contributions his ma- he's made and from relatively solid quarterback play from Peyton Ramsey, nothing spectacular but just solid play, then we've just messed around for like the last four months. This football team, in the quality of the Big Ten that it is this year, should be in a bowl game. They probably should have been in one last year, and if they don't make one this year, it's just going to be two completely wasted years. Last year, the wasting of a really strong and talented defense, and this year, not as much the wasting of a collective unit or even a couple individual players that are really good, but just like straight up a waste of time. Just, just a waste of time, especially after getting out to a 4-1 and one start. Yes, they beat the teams that they beat the teams to get to the 4-1 and one start. But if you're sitting on four wins in the middle of October, and it goes all the way through the early part or the middle part of November, or late part of November, excuse me, I don't know what dates are, and you can't get to six wins and you win one game, and that would end up being like your Big Ten wins would be like Rutgers and like maybe Maryland, and that's it? Like, that's honestly kind of pathetic. Yeah, and... 
Now let's look at the flip side. Let's say Tom Allen, Mike DeBoard say, look, we're, our backs are against the wall right now. What we've done is not, what we have done in the past is not working. It's probably not going to change in the future if we continue to play like this. And they mix Reese Taylor into the offense, and they use some trick plays, and they use his speed to get around tackles, and they get more creative offensively, and they do make a bowl game. And maybe they beat Purdue. Maybe they beat Minnesota, Maryland, and Purdue. Or maybe they lose to Purdue but beat Michigan. You know, maybe they get that third win and they go 7-5. and five. Yeah. Your column at the end of the year will be what? Then they, they've manufactured something really good out of what looked like a pretty desperate situation because the thing we've known about Ivy football for the longest time is that at some point in the season, they're going to go through a three- or four-game losing streak. I forget how many years it's been, but it seems like since, like, the Mastodons were walking this earth that Indiana loses three to four conference games in a row every single season. And they're at this stretch right now. They've lost three in a row, albeit all three have been to pretty good teams. And if they're able to flip the script just like that for the final month of the season to roll off, whether it's, it doesn't even have to be the upset win against Michigan. It can just be taking care of their business against Minnesota, against Maryland, maybe even against Purdue. And that's almost more important to me, for this Indiana football program than scoring a big top 15, top 20 upset win. Because while those come, you know, they don't seem to come for Indiana even once in a blue moon, but every program will have that win once in a blue moon. But the thing that's been holding Indiana football back for so long is its inability to take care of its business when it needs to be done, beating the teams that they should, like Maryland last year, like, I guess, potentially Maryland this year, um, like Northwestern from, I believe, the 2016 season. These are the games that Indiana football, to at least be a decently mediocre team that consistently gets to six wins and makes bowl games, they haven't won these types of games in the past. And if they're able to flip the script in 2018, at least win those types of games, let alone maybe score a major upset, then that at least shows some progress in some facet. Whether that comes up on the stat sheet or not, it shows that, you know, you know, air quotes around the culture, the breakthrough has changed. It doesn't have to be flashy. Just be, it just has to be bringing your lunch pail to work every day and getting it done. Have they done it in the past? No. Has Tom Allen done it in the past? No. So this would mark like an actual tangible shift in what this football team does on the field. And so I guess the opportunity is all out in front of them to take care of it. It seems like no matter what happens, the fan reaction is going to be, it's extremely predictable. Five and seven, people jump ship. They're out on Tom Allen. They're out on the program. All this hoopla and hyping up the program is is for naught. Six and six, they say, okay, you know, now... See what happens in the bowl game. We'll see what so. happens in the bowl game and... You know, we, we now we have to go seven to five next year. We have to take that next step. Right. Seven to five this year, people are like, okay, you know, we're sold. They realized that their backs were against the wall. They responded. The team and the coaching staff were young. I like where we're headed. If Indiana ends up at seven and five, then there will be at some point in the next month a real turning point moment that for better or worse, they can point back to during the offseason and be like, look, all right, this is where we figured our stuff out. This is where things began to change. Yeah. I hope you're not about to entertain eight and four though. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but I will say, no matter the outcome, whether it's four and eight, five and seven, six and six, seven and five, not eight and four because that's not happening. It's not happening. Um, whatever happens, we will find out what Tom Allen is made of next year. Yeah. I think by mid-October next year, we will find out whatever he's made of because no matter what happens at the end of this season, the last four games, there we just explained it. There will be a narrative, mm-hmm. and all three of them. There are three options. All three of them pending a slew of catastrophic injuries. All three of them are completely different. Yeah. So, and they all have different, they all require different responses. If they go four and eight or five and seven, you need Tom Allen to come out and 
roll through the first three opponents next year and pick up a good conference win. If they go 6-6, six and six, you need them to win these close games against Penn State or win that close game against And you'll Iowa. be asking them, if they go 6-6 six and six this year, everyone will be asking them, okay, we've at least done the bare minimum beating the teams we're supposed to beat. Then you have to go get an upset. You have to get an upset win. And it doesn't have to be a major upset. It has to be like a Michigan State win. It has to be something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it doesn't it, have to be Ohio State or Michigan, but Penn State, Michigan State, they, it has to be one of those. Whoever, if you get like, uh, I'm not sure who the Big Ten West opponent is next year. I'm guessing it's Northwestern because it hasn't been in since 2016. Right. So, um, but yeah, that. that's just a guess right. that they're on the schedule. So, whoever it is, whatever happens, there's there is a different response needed from Tom Allen and his team that would excite fans. And, and if he doesn't meet that, people are going to jump ship. Well, for better or for worse, if Indiana goes five and seven this year, or even six and six, and loses like the bowl game in Detroit, the bowl game in Dallas, one of those lower tier bowls, they need something to. I'm not saying this program's stuck in neutral or it's, like, dead by any means. I mean, we're not at a Rutgers level. We're not at, like, a UTEP level or anything. But there needs to be some kind of rejuvenation, some injection of life into this program because, yeah, last year Tom Allen came in and talked about the breakthrough and had, you know, all the, the rousing speeches and the hype and stuff. But then when you go 5-7 and seven and your conference wins are, what, Rutgers and Illinois, then that just kind of falls on deaf ears a little bit. This year, if the same thing happens, they fall flag conference play again, your conference wins end up being Rutgers and insert Maryland or Minnesota here or something, then that kind of falls flat again. There's only so many times you can beat the drum so loud and get into the minds of not only your players, but the fan base, the boosters, the alums, everyone like that. And you can keep doing that while they're not like, okay, we can't take you seriously anymore if you don't get the results. You can do all the shouting and yelling you want, but you need something to back it up or else it just ends up getting kind of like old and tiresome at the end of the day. So they just need something to back up the words. The intensity is there. The passion's there. No one's questioning that. But if it doesn't get you wins on the field, then it's just like a lot of shouting that's going to tire people out after a while. We'll get to Minnesota next. The reason I don't want to talk heavily about Minnesota is because this game is not really about X's and O's. It's that Indiana's backs are now against the wall, as I've mentioned multiple times. And my question is, my challenge to Tom Allen is, you know, it, you need to take a step up from what you're doing right now. You need to respond. You need that big moment of, okay, now we're really in this. And my question is, it hasn't happened yet. We're almost two full seasons in. And if not now, then when? You know, g- good coaches get through hard times. Underachieving coaches make excuses and fold under those excuses. We've seen both sides of that in the Big Ten, at Indiana, across the country over the last couple of years. Good coaches get through tough times and they figure figure out a way to at least fight and show some fight. Underachieving coaches fold. This is a perfect opportunity for Tom Allen to show who he is. Who he is as a coach and as a person. He either folds under the pressure and the competition they have in the next four weeks is not that staggering. It's no. Michigan and a bunch of teams, and three teams that have no more talent than Indiana. But it's Michigan, a team that's maybe marginally better than Indiana, just in terms of how they've played recently in Purdue, and then two teams, frankly, below the level of Indiana and Minnesota and Maryland. And that's the thing about this week so much. Like, you talk about it not being a super X's and O's games, especially because we don't know the cor- the um, status of Minnesota's quarterback, but Zach Anikstad, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, because of his, like, internal bleeding or whatever happens when you go to Lincoln, Nebraska. It's, it's a pretty serious injury that yeah. people are just kind of glossing over. He had internal bleeding, and he's questionable for this Friday against right. Indiana. But 
Aside from, I mean, the X's and O's are so minor in the scheme of this game is so mental for Indiana. It's national TV. It's Friday night. It's at Minnesota. It's like Halloween weekend. There's so many like weird aspects to it. This is a game that the typical, the um, predictable Indiana teams of the last 10 to 15 years would go out and lose. By having many points or in whatever fashion, this is the game that Indiana can't get over the hump, can't conquer each year, and they lose. They win it this year, then regardless of what you can point to that as like a changing of the narrative thing. You can use that as fuel for the rest of the season because do you really want to go into your bye week losing four straight games, especially with the last one not being a game against a top-tier opponent but on the road at Minnesota? And how do you bounce back from that either? How do you keep your players focused and so locked in like they need to be for a two-week period after you lose on the road at Minnesota for your fourth straight loss. This game is so about mental strength and importance for Indiana, and if they can do it, then it could change the course of their season. What is your quick 30-second to 60-second scouting report on the Gophers? Um, they're a fine football team. They tackle well. Tom Allen mentioned about how they got a lot of you know pressure on the quarterback. Their ends rush pretty well. They have a lot of tackles for loss. So, again, that kind of puts that burden on the IU offensive line to hold up strong. I think Stevie Scott will have a, a good performance. They've had a couple of running backs against them this year, uh, against Minnesota this year, kind of run wild. And especially that Stevie Scott's maybe gotten a bit of confidence back, had his first game, really good game in Big Ten play this past weekend against Penn State, having more than 100 rushing yards. I think that bodes well for IU offensively. On defense, it's just all about tackling. I mean, you don't really know what quarterback you're going to get, but Indiana's tackling improved a lot more against Penn State than Iowa, so you have to continue to see progress there, maybe a takeaway or two. And special teams are just such a disaster against Penn State that if they're able to prevent a 50-yard kick return, then I think you consider that a win. Yeah, certainly. In short, this Minnesota team is very, very young, but that... Youth has a lot of talent. Yeah, they're very average, though, too. I mean, it's not like it's not like they're full of Rondale Moores out on the field, dude, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a very bleh, you know, 82-rated team on NCAA football or something. And they're below Indiana. Yeah, they're at home. Yeah, it's Friday night. But Indiana should go in and win. There's a reason that, after all this, Indiana is, like, opened as, like, three-point favorites in Vegas. Yeah. If Indiana doesn't win, this is going to be a heck of a show next week, I'll tell you that. Oh, gosh, yeah. What are your parting thoughts? It can be Indiana football, anything. Um, I need something to get me through the bye week, so I'm hoping that, if nothing else, there's like some entertaining costumes in the Minnesota crowd. Maybe someone in a banana suit. Um, maybe someone dressed as like Orville Redenbacher, the popcorn guy. How'd you come up with that? I was just thinking about popcorn for okay, a second. Fair enough. Um, maybe someone dressed as, like, I don't know, Emerald. Remember Emerald? The cooking guy? I don't. He yelled, like, bang every time he threw, like, some oregano on, like, some pasta. That seems excessive, but... Uh, maybe the Pillsbury Doughboy. I'm a big fan of those commercials. Um, so why exactly are you looking for this? Their croissants are really good. Oh, I just want something to keep me entertained. I mean, I'll be watching from the comfort of my apartment in Bloomington because I'm not making that 10-hour drive to Minnesota. So I would like some aesthetically pleasing costumes, maybe some Teletubbies. If if the Minnesota Student Session can get some people dressed as Teletubbies onto the FS1 camera during the game, then I don't care about the outcome. My night's made. Okay. All four of them, though. Uh, are there four Teletubbies? Tinky Winky, Dipsy, La La, and Poe. So that's five. Tinky Winky. Oh, four. Dipsy. That guy, right? La La, and Poe. I think. Okay. I think. At least those four Teletubbies. If there's any more, then sure, invite your friends. They but can come too. Minimum four Teletubbies and one Mario and one Luigi. Everything else. Maybe Yoshi, too. I like Yoshi. Toad, I'm not a fan. The mushroom hat is, is weird. Yoshi, Birdo, they slap. 
Okay, those are the keys to victory for Indiana, is uh, Teletubbies and Mario characters. Thank you, Cameron. Of course. Plug your stuff. Where can people find you? Uh, at cdrummond97 on Twitter, idsnews.com, at ids underscore sports. We have all your content for the Minnesota game, and we'll have it after the game as well. And if there are Teletubbies, I'm going to write about them. I'm looking forward to it. I have a Teletubby dish at home, like my childhood home back in Dallas. Um, I eat crackers out of it a lot. Thank you, Cameron. Uh, Brian Tonsoni, thank you for joining me. What was your takeaway from last Saturday? I, I just, I just think this program is not ready to compete at high levels yet. And, and I'll say the word yet. Um, there, there are always reasons why you lose. And it seems like there are always new reasons popping up for Indiana football, uh, to play the way. Indiana did offensively and defensively and have the lead at 21 to 20 late in the third quarter, the, the timing was ripe uh, for a, a big win at home. And then special teams, um, they didn't play well all day, but then special teams really uh, cost Indiana uh, the game. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things, whether you believe the program is snake bitten, or whatever, um, you know, they, they just right now don't have uh, a complete game, uh, all three facets, 60 minutes uh, in them to compete against uh, ranked opponents. Uh, the question going forward for me is can they summon it up now after a, a rough stretch on the road on a week weeknight, Friday night game, abnormal setup in a, a very important game. Uh, you'd like to believe so, but again, I think it's now uh, Indiana football has to prove it to a lot of people uh, instead of a lot of people believing it, and and that's probably my main takeaway. Now, I'll give my quick take. I don't want to dive too deep, and I don't want to have this seem like I'm attacking the program or the team because that's not at all what I'm doing, but the term Clemsoning has now kind of turned towards Indiana, and the Indiana football brand and on Twitter, the joke going around Twitter was that was very Indiana football um, a very on-brand way to lose. And I think that lost in that, they did lose in a pretty familiar way is how I would describe it. I think lost in that, take away special teams, which I know mathematically is one-third of the game. Offensively and defensively, all things considered, I think they played fine. I didn't think there was a huge issue with the way that they played. You may disagree with me. A lot of people may disagree with me. I personally think they played fine, X's and O's wise. Um... Granted, how much speed and talent Penn State has that, that Indiana was able to neutralize. So I think they actually played a pretty fine game, maybe a low B, high B minus on my report card. Would you give them a similar grade, or do you disagree with me? Because I could very easily be wrong here. Now, I, I'm going to say I thought Indiana dominated the game. I, I thought Indiana was the better football team, um, and they lost. Um, but a complete football team can play special teams. Uh, Penn State scored 33 points. 21 of them came on drives of 32, 30, and 5, all set up by special teams airs. The defense play kept McSorley and, and their running back uh, at check enough to win that football game. And it is just, it, it is a crying shame that Indiana did not win that football game. So I agree with your, I, I would say B plus, uh, but you got to play special teams. And, and, you know, Bear Bryant and, and 
in reading up about coaches, you know, Bear Bryant was really big on special teams. And, and this team has struggled special teams for years. And, and, you know, it just gets back to moral victories are nice and saying they played well and they dominated the game is nice. You play to win the game. And Indiana is not winning the games, whether they're jumping up and down with the chair on the sidelines, whether they have words, uh, they're not winning football games um, against ranked opponents. And they need to. So, uh, yeah, I, I rewatched the game this week uh, to make sure I, I thought that they played extremely well. And my goodness, the running game, passing attack, the defense, but three touchdown drives totaling. 67 yards because of inept special teams tackling um there's just no excuse for that in my opinion yeah i completely agree i think even a decent special teams outing from indiana would have put them at a b plus for me maybe even a minus on my report card i thought they played really really well um i want to ask one question about michael Penix. so i feel so bad for the kid i feel so bad for the team to to have to go through that Uh, but i don't want to linger too much because that's what everybody's been talking about, and we all know what it means for the team this year and what it means for the program. But Tom Allen, Cameron and I talked about the narratives surrounding this team, depending on how the next four or five weeks play out. Now, I want to ask you about this game and its potential outcome. Where does this game rank on the scale of the entire season in terms of its importance? Is it, like Tom Allen says, the most important game because it's the next one? Or does it take higher or lower standard compared to the other games that they've played up to this point? Hey, Minnesota on Friday. Yeah, Minnesota on Friday. Excuse me. Yeah, I, you know, good coaching takes games one game at a time and you don't look down the stretch. You cannot be a good coach and try to win six and pick out these games and that because then you don't prepare your teams correctly uh, so it is important because it's the next one. And that's what good programs do and good coaches do. Fans, though, we get to look at it a little bit differently. A loss this weekend and the season's over, in my opinion, because realistically, with at Michigan, uh, Maryland, and Purdue, to win two of those three, I don't see that happening if you can't beat an, uh, a winless in the Big Ten Minnesota team. Now, there's reasons. It's not a bad Minnesota team. It's on the road Friday night, and they've played you know, some competitive games lately. But with all the talk of the last two years, this is the type of game that you have to win. And if they don't, and, and that's a four-game um, four losing streak, uh, you're sitting at one and five in the Big Ten, I believe, at that time. Um, and, and now you're looking at a, a, a must-win bucket game probably or an upset at the big house even if you do come home and beat maryland and then that's two years without a bowl and the thing you, you don't look at what your rival's doing but when they when, when they're very close to being seven and zero in the second year of a new coach uh beating the number two ranked ohio state not beating them just totally annihilating them the it, it you know you should compare indiana football to what indiana football needs but boy it does not look good and a loss to Minnesota will just egg that on and on and on and really put the whole program um, in, in a big world of doubt. And, boy, that's hard on players and coaching staff and fans all together, more importantly the players and coaches. But I think this is as must-win um, game as I've seen Indiana football have to have if they're really serious about moving the program forward. 
I'm with you. I think the season could potentially, for all intents and purposes, fold with a loss on Friday. And if the Hoosiers do not come out ready to fight, oh, P.J. Fleck, like a shark with blood in the water, will smell that and absolutely hit you in the mouth. So let's talk about Minnesota. I They're young, but they have talent, they have speed, they have athleticism, things that plagued Indiana throughout the season. Uh, and they've shot themselves in the foot when they go up against guys that are physically gifted. So the way I would describe Minnesota is they're kind of a poor man's Penn State, but their quarterback, Zach Anikstead, if he even goes, is a poor man's Trace McSorley, but he can't really run the football, and he doesn't really choose to run the football. So not exactly high praise from me on Minnesota, but what do you see out of the Gophers that could potentially cause trouble for Indiana? Well, you know, they're in a coaching situation, too, in a second year of a coach that was widely uh, touted to come in uh, from Western Michigan, uh, kind of in the same mode, a rah-rah, row-the-boat type of, of guy, and they haven't gotten it done in two years. And so I, I, w- I think, you know, this is a battle of two caged animals backed up in the corner, and which one comes out clawing uh, and fighting. And the, the scary thing is, at home on a Friday night, the community's all – uh, jazzed up uh, at, at night to get you know you get off early go to happy hour uh, it could be a good atmosphere I think Minnesota could be um, physically tough I, I, the offense doesn't worry me I don't think they can really throw deep consistently uh, so if Indiana can stop the running game I think uh, they have a good chance and, and I really do think for the most part uh, short of Iowa our defense has really come to play this year that's going to be a key and we're just going to have to – Indiana's going to have to go toe-to-toe with the, the desire and the attitude, and then they're going to have to make sure they play clean football. And, and it sounds like a broken record of stuff that we've said over and over and over again. But you can't give a team like Minnesota 3-4, and 0-4 oh in the Big Ten. You can't give them hope uh, with a, a turnover deep in the red zone. You can't give them hope with a momentum shifter uh, return of any sort. And you got to put points on the board when you get in the red zone and, and try to get up on this Minnesota team and, and force them to be one-dimensional in the passing game. I think Indiana can do that. Like I've said over and over, Indiana can win every game, including Michigan, if they play to their uh, capabilities. Uh, it just this season, after Ball State, um, the Big Ten games have not been pretty um, in, in a variety of aspects. If, we, if that could get cleaned up in this short travel week, then I, then I expect Indiana to win. Minnesota does not go deep. You are absolutely right there. And I think that's a crucial point because I think the way Indiana plays defense and the athletes that they have and where they, where they play on that defensive side, that plays in Indiana's favor if they're going to stop a, a, a defense that doesn't really try for the home run ball. All of their big plays are either catch and run or because Muhammad Ibrahim, that running back, is a very slippery runner. It breaks a lot of tackles. And offensively, you know, Indiana will be able to, I think, have their way with that Minnesota defense. They've got two linebackers that are insanely good um, and very aggressive. One leads at least the Big Ten in sacks, maybe the country. I'm not 100% sure. But they have a good linebacking group, Minnesota does, which might give Indiana trouble running the football. But, Brian, if there's a week to unload Peyton Ramsey's arm, I, this has to be it. This has to be it. Yeah, and we've been waiting for it all year, and we see it in spots. And, and now, now you have no choice because you have to you you have to utilize it or not, depending on on what his capabilities are. With Penix being hurt, um, there's no option to come in with a, a stronger arm. So you have what you have. Uh, and again, the, the Westbrooks need to be utilized. And 
Um, you know, we've said a lot of good things, but it, it, it is time now to put the complete game together and not, you know, not come back from 12 down and, and count on an onside kick to keep you excited and, and going. Those are all great things, and the fight is really enjoyable to see and the lack of giving up. Um, but but it's time to unleash, you know, un- unleash the deep ball and, and, and be creative in your offense because this is an important game. Yes, it is. And I, I, I don't think we can stress that enough. I, I truly think that this is the most important game Indiana's faced because, you know, you can say it was Penn State and then it was Ohio State and then it was Michigan State or in, in reverse order, really. Um, but this is the first game where it, the, the season folding into a failure, I, I hate to sound aggressive and intense here, but the season folding into a failure is right in front of you. It's 60 minutes away, potentially, and I, I think this game, more than anything, is going to show us what Tom Allen is made of and what that coaching staff and even the team, the guys on the team, are made of because the potential folding of the season is right in front of you. You just suffered a huge blow to what you, might be the future of future face of the program in Michael Penix, and now you're forced to improvise a little bit if you want to win games. It's late in the season, and your season's just about over. So I think we're going to learn as much about Tom Allen and his coaching staff this week than we have really all year. Am I crazy to say that? Uh, no, I think it's going to tell a lot about the direction. And the important thing, too, is that going into the bye week, uh, I think having a win and, and getting back in the winning ways and having a chance in your last three games to be bowl eligible – that is, a, that is another huge aspect of this weekend and why it's so important. Um, a loss, and you sit on that for two weeks, knowing now that you have simply zero margin for error left for the rest of the, uh, rest of the season. And, you, you know, you've lost your fifth game. You always have that. And, again, I say there's reasons and no excuses, but it is four ranked football teams that Indiana has lost to it. And, on the face of it, there's nothing wrong with losing to ranked football teams. Maybe the way they did it, we can talk. We've talked about. But you lose to Minnesota, that's different. That's a whole different ball game of where you're trying to get to. And so, you know, there's a lot that we'll learn. Can you rebound from some three tough losses? What's your attitude on the road? Can you handle a new setting on a Friday night? And and all of that talk of being a new program and heading in the right direction, those kinds of programs take care of business on a week like this. Right, and if not, if not, then we learn a little bit about the direction of the program and the leadership of, of, of Coach Allen. Sorry to cut you off there. I'm going to ask That's you a, a maybe a tough question. I'm not sure. I'm going to put you in the shoes of Tom Allen. With the situation they have right now at quarterback, to what extent do you use Reese Taylor under center or in the shotgun because they completely refuse to go under center even on fourth and one? To what extent do you use Reese Taylor at quarterback right now? You know, I, I well, I think you got to practice him there because you're one snap away. And so I think he's got to get some reps in there, however they get the second team reps going. Um, the question to be, Michael, is how much do you use him uh, as you have been as a wide receiver or running back? Because now maybe you lose a weapon um, on the field now because you can't afford to have him get rolled up on in a tackle. Um, on a bubble screen, something like that, because now you're down, you know, to your fourth string quarterback if Penix goes out. So, so the question is, 
if I'm Coach Allen, I'm probably looking to other wide receivers since that's an area of strength, and I'm backing off Taylor from the wide receiver running back mix uh, with Walker and Scott. You've got some people who can go in there and fill. You lose some of his speed. If I use him, it's going to be occasionally for some deception, maybe some sweeps and some quarterback throws out of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think you've got to make him a full-time quarterback now as a backup um, and, and make some of those tougher decisions as a weapon offensively because uh, you want to be ready in case, um, you know, Ramsey gets dinged up even for a series or two. I'm with you 100%. And I would go as far as to say – if Pey- or I'm sorry, if Reese Taylor is going to be on the field, he should either be there as a decoy and away from the football, or he should touch the football and have the option to throw it every single time, whether that be him lining up as the quarterback in the backfield or on a reverse pass or a double reverse pass or whatever. But whenever he touches the ball, he should have the option to throw it, whether that be in the backfield, wherever. I, I think that that is how they should use Reese Taylor right now because not only does that protect him, but that also forces the defense to stay on its toes. If you want to run a little play action or fake a bubble and just lob it up to Nick Westbrook, the secondary for Minnesota is probably as weak its link as a team, offense and defensively speaking. So I think the, the, that the presence of Reese Taylor and how they use him could significantly dictate how – how well the offense flows from start to finish. Yeah, and they need to teach him how to slide and when yes. to get out of bounds. And, you know, if you're heading towards a tackle, maybe, you know, get down. Um, again, that's the unfortunate thing with, with the with the Penix um, injury. But, yeah, and now you can use him in some different different uh, wildcat things too, you know, and but you just got to be careful. But now's the time to pull out the stops. Uh, offensively, defensively, some special blitz packages. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta play this game like it's the last one, and go get it. And that sets up Indiana for an interesting last three games. All right, Brian, I'll lob this one up to you. Your biggest thing that Indiana has to do that you want to see to feel satisfied or comfortable with the team going into that final three-game stretch is what? They gotta win, uh, and they gotta win, and, and I think they gotta win uh, being aggressive offensively. Um, that's that's what I got to see to feel good about the Indiana uh, football program. Anything less than that, and, and this year is it's not over, and things can turn around, but it's uh, headed towards a, a major disappointment um, with the loss. So I, I need to see them win because uh, we know they can compete. That's not a question now. Now now you got to finalize the fundamental things. You got to make all the key tackles. You got to make the key blocks. You got to limit the penalties. You got to play like the team that it has been said this Indiana team is from the inside and the outside. they got to play like it, and they haven't played like it since Ball State, and it's it's time. And, and, and you know, that's what I, I personally as a fan uh, would like to see and need to see to feel comfortable going into the last three weeks. So would you be comfortable with kind of an ugly, hard-fought, you know, slugfest Big Ten football game victory, or does it have to be a game in which – Peyton Ramsey makes at least a couple throws downfield, and they show some creativity offensively. It's 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 not quite any win counts, but it's close. Or does any win count? Uh, I'm going to say any win counts because that's reality. A sloppy breakdown game, up 17 to three at halftime, and not score in the second half is more of the same as far as the quality of the Indiana football program and season. But I, but my, you know, I've adjusted my thoughts. This team needs to get to six. And it doesn't matter how it 
it does it, it needs to get to six. And it can play bad football and get to six. That's a lot better than playing bad football and ending up four or five wins. They can still salvage some success this year by winning six and going to a bowl and getting extra time to practice, and that is so key. So for me, any win, preferably, though, I'd like to see better football, better coaching decisions, better timing at the end of the first half. Um, all around better performances from everyone in the football program would be the best, but winning is the is the vital thing Friday night. I'm so glad you mentioned practicing because I think a lot of the hype to the casual fan about a bowl game is it's a milestone. It means that you went 500 or better in your season, and you get to play one more game, and you get to enjoy the postseason and, and potentially end your season on a very high note. But what's as important, or in fact even more important, if you ask some coaches, depending on the program, is getting extra reps. I, I know Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, I've spoken to him multiple times about this. He said that the most important thing to him about the bowl games is getting the reps for the young guys because, or sending the seniors off in style and having them hang around for another month or three weeks or whatever bowl game they go to. Especially with Indiana, how young they are, you know? And it's, it's vitally important to have them prepare for an opponent that they've never seen before, will probably never see again in the regular season, and just get reps in practice and keep playing the game. So it goes beyond a milestone win and postseason berth. But, Brian, thank you for joining me. Plug You're your welcome. stuff. Where can people follow you? Again, on Twitter, uh, at Sony42 for uh, my everything account, uh, at SportsTons for our podcast. You can find Sports Talk with Tom Sony on any podcast host and uh, some of our written work uh, with our high school group at DelphiBracketology.com and SportsTalkWithTonSony.com. All right, Brian, much appreciated. You will be in Minneapolis for this game. You're about halfway there, so safe travels the rest of the way and enjoy the atmosphere there. I'll be asking you about how that stadium is because that's one I've never been to. Looking forward to the stadium. It's kind of, well, the sport Indiana is why we're making the trip, but uh, it's, it's a new stadium that I have not been to, so I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, We'll talk to you next week. All right, Brian. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. Well, that does it for this week's episode of This Week in IU Football. Big thanks to Brian Tonsoni and Cameron Drummond for bringing their great insight and opinions. As always, be sure to follow me on Twitter at M underscore Dugan 44. Ask me any questions, any observations you may have about what's going on this week in IU Football. I'll talk to you next week.